Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder Treason No Plot. I am your DM and host as always, Adam Cookson, and I'm, well, I'm joined by my one regular player, James Bunkle. Say hello. Hello. And he'll be reprising his role as the uh, paladin sorcerer, Rogar, but we also have a guest this week of the name of Paul Flinders. Say hello, special guest. Hello there. How are we doing? And... Well, he'll be playing a different role tonight, but we'll find out about that eventually. Yeah. And what's funny is at uh, time of recording this, our episode that uh, came before this one hasn't gone live, so Paul has no goddamn clue what's going on. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> Which is just fine by me. Yeah. I, I, I think we had the discussion, so it works out perfect for me, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, what happened last week? Well, I'll give a little bit of a recap, as I always do. Last week, Rogar went down to the cult of the Crimson Tongue and basically reported, huge success, I've got the thing you asked me to get, which was a vial of Samuel Kren's blood. And Rogar was given praise. Aren't you being good, Rogar? Yes, I am. I was a good little soldier. You were. And for that, you got rewarded. You were um, let in on the grander plan a little bit more. You were kind of given your marching orders in terms of just how this is all going to go down. And you got to see how your little jaunt to the plane of fire really played out and why you were sent there. Seems to be part of a wider plan around planar invasion. And, well, you've just helped move things along nicely, didn't you, Rogar? That I did. Mm. On top of that, you went through a little ritual, which uh, mechanically, because I don't think we actually explained it at the time, but uh, mechanically has changed you from a Oath of Vengeance Paladin to an Oath of Conquest Paladin, which we thought made sense for your character going forward. Yep. And you divulged the Crimson Tongue just what you would like to do in terms of this wider plan, and that was you want to start up your own little cult. So you have been tasked and gaining some friends. Friends who are more of your way of thinking, shall we say. And, well, the place to find those friends isn't on any of the regular planes, isn't in the material plane specifically. It's quite far away. It's in a place called the Dreamlands, and the Crimson Tongue helped you get there. And it was kind of weird. You you met a ghoul in a tower that was a bit freaky, Um, you fell through the sky you landed in a forest well you landed just outside a forest you couldn't get to and when you finally did get into the forest you found a big old building made of flesh that I did (laughs) so um, Rogar you are stood I'd say probably about a hundred feet from this thing and you can make it out pretty clearly it's in a, a big clearing of forest and it is like as I say, it's a bit like a bunker, and as far as you can tell from here, it is just covered in some sort of organic material. And bits of it are kind of moving. Okay. Like, you look at the top, and there's like the odd little sort of fleshy uh, proboscis or tendril, and it's kind of like waving around in the air. But it does seem to have a door, and it's not like going anywhere. It's just sort of plonked there. Okay. Um, Would I like get being a paladin, when I get like a sense of like good and evil here, you can uh, you can use your channel divinity if that's what you're asking. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
go on then, uh, since you very rarely use it, uh, read it out for our audience. <laughs> oh, I have it in front of me if you want me to read it. Yeah, 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 go for that. So the presence of strong evil registers on your senses like a noxious odor and powerful good rings like a heavenly music in your ears. As an action, you can open your awareness to detect such forces until the end of your next turn. You know the location of any celestial, fiend, or undead within 60 feet of you that is not behind total cover. You know the type of celestial, fiend, or undead, or any being whose presence you sense, but not its identity. Uh, Within the same range, you also detect the presence of any place or object that has been consecrated or desecrated, as with the Hallow spell. And you can use it as many times as equal to your charisma modifier plus one. Get it back on long rest. Cool. So uh, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Um, this is actually kind of difficult. You open your senses out, and for starters, are you getting any? Uh, are you getting any closer? Because I said you're about a hundred feet away. So are you approaching it? Yeah, yeah. As I approach, um, this is I'm kind of keeping my wits about me, type of thing. Okay. You do sense. You would guess, like, evil, but not that you understand. There's a strange alienness to what you're sensing, and it's difficult for your brain to kind of comprehend exactly what you're trying to focus on. It's almost like it keeps slipping out of your grasp, but you definitely sense general malign intent or malignant intent, but it's... It's probably more akin to something that's been desecrated rather than something that's willfully evil. That's probably what you're getting. Okay, so I don't, I don't get a sense that it's like, I don't know, like a dissimilar evil to me. Um, you've never used your divine sense on anything before, so you don't have a lot to gauge against. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah, I suppose... Uh... Because if it's not worrying, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll head towards the door and like do like a perception check on the door, maybe. Okay, so you approach a lot closer, and you start to notice when you get within like fifteen feet of it that it's not all flesh. You can see what Rogar would probably just understand as various bits of shiny metal. Okay, I will say Rogar won't quite get what he's looking at, but he sees like plates of metal, things that light up, but it's like underneath parts of the flesh and kind of like is melded together with it in places. And when you approach what you think is the door, it seems to slide open in almost like a breathing fashion. Like it just goes and there's now a doorway to let you look inside. Uh, can, I, can I do like a perception check to see if this thing's alive or something? Um, go for it. And I'll, I'll I'll open my helmet to do it if it gives me advantage. Okay. Uh, an eight. Eight. Um, you can't really tell if it's alive or not. You can definitely tell that parts of it look like it's made of living material, but whether this whole building is alive, eh, you're kind of shrugging your shoulders here. And the same when you look inside, you see the that flesh kind of appears again on the inner walls, but there's also lots of, like, tables and vials and uh, lots and lots of things that Rogar has no goddamn clue what they are because there's like beakers and machinery is what I'll say it looks like. The the closest thing Rogar has ever seen is the uh, robotic equipment in the research base. Okay. But this is way more complicated looking. 
Okay. Um... That's what you see in this first room. You also see in at the end of the room there is another that leads through to a different chamber. Okay. Um... <laughs> um... Um... Okay. I'll. Uh, I'll. I'll walk. For, I'll. I'll. I'll, you, I'll reach out with the glaive to see if like the door's trapped or anything. You know, since it's opened. So, so you've walked through and you go into the other door. Oh no! Uh, well, I, I, it, oh, you mean you're just waving your glaive through the hole? Yeah, yeah, thing. just just to see if it, yeah, <laughs> just waving around it. I'm, I am I am wary of this place. <laughs> uh, you do that, and nothing seems to happen. Okay, I'll step through the door. All right, you step inside, and you are greeted with a very strange smell that, to your ghoulish nose, does sort of remind you of rotten flesh and meat. Like, this thing is definitely covered in some sort of organism, but you have no clue how the hell it's either alive, dead, or anything else. Hmm. Um. But there is just a, it's just a, an overwhelming smell in here, and if you weren't a ghoul, you'd probably be rather put off being inside. Okay. Um, well, uh, can I, like, now, since I'm inside, can I, well, I suppose, can I get, like, a, like, a sense of, I don't know, is there anything, like, on, like, the, on the machinery, or if there's, like, a desk or anything to see who might be here, or might usually be here? Um, there are what you would say is, like, large research tables, because they're, like, they're like standing desks that are made of some sort of metal that seems to be bonded to the floor, and they're covered with just whirring machines. Like some of them are making noises, but you don't quite get why. Like they're beeping occasionally. Some of them, it sounds like something's whirring inside of them, or maybe like some sort of tape is running or ribbons being moved. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'll uh, I'll head towards the other door. Okay. As you get close to that one, that one does the same sort of weird breathing motion as it kind of opens up for you. Um, I'll have another bit of a wave around. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you wave your glaive around, and yeah, again, nothing happens, but as you can kind of see through the door now, in this room, this room seems to be dedicated to one thing and one thing alone, and that is a large machine in the center of the room. And the best you can tell, Rogar, is that it looks like it's missing pieces. It is this large black metal that probably stands about eight foot tall in total. And from what you can see, there is a gap in the center of it where something cylindrical is supposed to sit. And there are other gaps in the machinery. Okay. Um... Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll step into that room. And again, I just want, I'm just wondering if, like, looking around, if I see anything that, you know, you could consider a personal item. Uh, give me a, uh, give me an investigation around the room, see what you find. An 18. Ooh. An 18. Okay, so you start feeling your way around the room kind of gingerly, because every time you touch the flesh, it kind of moves, and that's very unsettling for you. Um, in some cases it moves a bit closer to you, which is even more unsettling. And <laughs> as you're kind of feeling around, you come across a set of shelves. And they're covered in cylinders, all of which are just dark. Except one that you can see this 
faint greenish light coming from the center of, but you can't really make out what's inside the cylinder. Okay. Um... I'll say with an 18, what you also spot is on one of these um, research tables, not far from the main machine, you see some smaller machines that don't appear to be on, but looking at them with your 18, maybe you could plug them into the larger machine. Hmm. So that's, 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 that's tempting. And it's similar with the cylinder that you're now looking at as you get kind of close to it. You can see it clearly has like sockets at the top that could plug into whatever's here. So do I try and take a bite out of the house or do I plug in the machine? <laughs> um, so if I can, so I, I can see, obviously I can see these cylinders and these other smaller machines. Um, mm -hmm. But by looking at them, Rogar would have an idea of how to put this together into the bigger machine, is what we're saying. Well, you have an idea that maybe that's what's supposed to happen. If that's what you're going to do, I'm going to make you do an intelligence check. Bollocks. Um, In fact, I would say it's an arcana check, technically. It sounds like the best idea. There's no other doors or anything from this room, then. Not that you can see. There seems to be like one large chamber to fit this machine. Okay. Um, go on then. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave the cylinder to last. You okay. Know, the, the one with the the the, the green light, just because I have, I'm guessing I have no idea what it is. Um. So, but putting machines together, you know, that isn't currently working sounds like something that might not blow up in my face. Okay. Uh. So do me an Arcana check to try put some of these machine pieces back together. A twenty-one. Ooh, 21. Okay, so I'll say it straight. Rogar is like a caveman looking at like a lab at NASA here. He has no fucking clue what he's doing. <laughs> but with a 21, you do at least kind of get the idea of, okay, this thing looks like it fits here. And when I put it in, I hear a, like a little whirring sound. So maybe it's working. And you kind of do that a few times with some of these pieces. And you start to put all these little bits of machinery into all the gaps. And with the 21, you think it's worked reasonably well. Cool. So is the machine complete? Apart from a middle section where you think the cylinder would go, yes. <sighs> okay. It, could I do like, I don't know, like a, maybe, maybe it'd be an arcana check again on the cylinder just to see if I you know, have any idea about it. Um, what are, you, what are you trying to figure out with an Arcana check? Honestly, I don't want to open up like a like a portal and something comes out and it eats me. Um, that's kind of, <laughs> and if, you know, since the other ones are all clear, I'm assuming they've been used. I'd say do an investigation on the uh, on the cylinder. Seven, seven. Uh... You have no idea. You're kind of looking at the thing, and the best you can get is when you're moving it around, like maybe it contains some sort of liquid. Okay. Uh Rogar plug it in, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna I'm gonna have to try plug it in, Anna. Okay. So you plug it in, and with your general understanding of the machine with your Arcana check earlier, you do seem to get it in the right spot and you kind of twist it into place and it locks in, and you see these little um little sockets kind of connect to each other almost like automatically and the green glow in the middle of the cylinder starts to get brighter 
and brighter until you can actually see the cylinder is lit up completely with this almost neon green glow. It gives the whole room this kind of aura of just weird neon, just like completely washing over you. And you see in the middle of the cylinder a brain. Okay. And something that Rogar wouldn't have recognized, but through a small bit of machinery that is directly underneath where the cylinder is that you plugged in, you hear... <sighs> oh, I... I thought you were going to take forever with that. Mm. As a voice comes through what you would recognize as a speaker. Uh, um, and do I recognize this voice? Uh, not at all. Okay. Uh, so, I'll just say, um, yeah, sorry, I'm not exactly, uh, you know, how, how should we say, mechanically gifted. Well, uh, at least all these pieces seem to be in the right place. We've got that going for you. Cheers. Um, and who might I be speaking to? Hmm. My name is uh, Matthias Akins. Pleasure to meet you. And you kind of, you see the brain kind of like bobs a little bit in the fluid. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give him a nod as well. So who might I be addressing? Ah, I am Clanless Rogar, the, uh, the prophet and emissary of the Whispering Man. You kind of, you hear a few bits of, uh, machinery whirring when you say that and goes, hmm, can't say I'm familiar, but, <laughs> Many things have many names, I suppose. Yeah, that, that is very true. Um, so, how come you're in a machine? Oh, well, <laughs> so it's a long story, long, long story, but I guess, well, give you the cliff notes. I was, um, used to be a bit of a researcher in my time. I uh, looked into things that other people wouldn't, shall we say? And, well, my studies led me to find a group of creatures that allowed me to travel beyond my planet. And to do so, I had to be in this, well, this apparatus that you see me in now. Unfortunately, I've started to realize that my um, benefactors are not the most, um, shall we say, noble of intent. And I've been stuck in this cylinder for quite some time. They only occasionally wheeled me out to uh, feed me some little bit of knowledge and then lock me away and they never tell me where I am or where we're going next. I uh, must admit, starting to regret this whole deal. Interesting. I, I, I myself am, have a thirst for knowledge. Oh, that's good. So, uh... You a scholar, lad? <laughs> no, I, more, more a man of faith. But I have seen the end of my world, and uh, I'm here to save everyone. Hmm. Yeah, you churchy lots are always delusional. Oh, well. <laughs> and that brings you here. Interesting. Remind me, where, where exactly is here? I've moved around a lot recently. 
Um, I'm guessing Rogo would only know it as a Dreamlands. Um, so, yeah, I'll put that to him. You hear it kind of whirring from the machinery again, and the greenish glow kind of flares for a moment, and he goes, Oh, yes, that place, the Between World. I remember. Dreamlands. Hmm. Good a name as any for it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. So, um, how about the, uh, the physical world? Where, where might you be there, then? Oh, I'm, I'm here. I've been transported here. You see, oh well, maybe maybe you misunderstand. The uh, the creatures that brought me here are an mm, advanced species, I suppose we'd say. They're they 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 know how to travel between places physically as quickly as they want, really. In fact, I'm kind of surprised you killed all the Migo to get to me. Killed who, you say? Oh, the the Migo and. Rogar, you feel something approaching from behind. Bollocks. to attack you. Uh, and as a reaction, I'll cast shield. Ah, uh, well, he's going to get a surprise round on you because you didn't beat his stealth earlier. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, Rogar, as you turn around and start trying to mutter your spell, you are greeted by an absolutely horrifying view. You see this hideous, crustaceous creature possessing like multiple joined limbs extending from its carapace and like folded fan-like wings at its back. Its head is literally like a brainy protuberance covered with tiny bristles that are constantly cycling in this like nauseous array of color that just changes as it seems to think and ponder the situation. It has these two large pincer-like claws, but also Two long, thin, strangely human-like arms coming from, like, the middle of its chest. Gross. It's very gross, and he's going to attack you with advantage. Bollocks. Luckily for you, he rolled kind of shitty. That's a 17. Misses. Okay. And then he's going to attack again. Oh, that's better. A 24. Okay. And he's going to deal to you with his pincers. Eight points of bludgeoning damage. And you need to make me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Oh, also he deals sneak attack damage because he uh, rolled with advantage. Oh, I rolled a 22. Okay, so uh, you dodge out of the way of his pincers that try to like grab a hold of you. But you do take an additional eight points of sneak attack damage. So 16. Yeah, and I need you to make me a wisdom saving throw. Because as it catches you with that second pincer, you feel these weird stinging filaments of fungal matter start to worm their way underneath your armor and try to infect the wound that it just caused on you. Uh, I'm immune to disease, so... It's not a disease. Alright, okay, I didn't... A uh, uh, natural 20. Ah, yeah. Bastard. You um, <laughs> shake your hand and like pull it away quickly before these uh, little bits of filament get too deep into the wound and you can have a little bit of a headache but you otherwise feel okay. Okay. Um, and that's uh, So that's its uh, sneak attack round. Let's roll some initiative. Uh, it got... I got a 16. I got a 24. No. 
<laughs> Speedy boy. <laughs> yeah. So he's going to... Well, he didn't grapple you, so he's just going to attack you twice with pincers again. But this time, not with advantage, so he doesn't get a sneak attack. Sad times. First one, 24. That hits. That's 12 points of damage. And make me a deck save. Yep. Seven. Uh, you are grappled by the first pincer that attacks with you. Okay. And second attack is a 23, which also hits, unless you're going to shield. Yeah, I'll cast shield for that one. Okay, second attack is he tries to grab you with the second pincer. This uh, magical, like, shimmer appears in front of you and it deflects it. And I think that is its turn. But you are currently grappled. Okay. Will it take me a whole action to break out of the grapple? It will indeed. Grapple normally means something bad, or I could just take a swing at him. So, um, <sighs> interesting. So, as a bonus action, I'll cast Shield of Faith. Okay. To boost my AC to twenty. And um, is there a, it's an opposed strength check to break out the grapple in it. I believe it's an athletic check. It's a DC that you have to beat. All right, okay. Um, go on, I'll try and get out the grapple. Yeah, it's athletics or acrobatics, depending on what you're better on. I'll do athletics. Uh, 17. Uh, 17 is good enough, actually. You managed to rip this pincer off you that's trying to like, crush down on your shoulder and just sort of throw it back. Okay. Um, and that's action and bonus action as well. Okay. Um, what are we going to do next? So... After your attack, the uh, brain cylinder is going to go. Oh, cool. What's he going to do? I think he's going to cast something nasty. Hmm. You're stood right next to the creature, so this is a little unfortunate for you. Or he could do something else. Hmm. You know what? He doesn't want to try kill you, so he's going to use a different spell. He's going to use a good old-fashioned magic missile. Nice. Weirdly, it might be the first time we've ever cast the spell on the show, which is shocking when you think about it. It is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so three glowing darts of force. Let's see how much damage he does. Right, magic missiles. You watch as like these small little darts of uh, glowing blue-white energy start to form in front of the brain cylinder, and he just sends them like a little missile barrage at this horrifying, almost plant-like alien creature. It doesn't roll super high. Deals eight points of force damage to it. Okay. You watch as the creature just gets peppered with it, with these little explosions blowing parts of its fungal form away. And that's the end of the first round. Now, while all that was going on, Robert. Hello. <laughs> you've been wandering through this forest for god knows how long you're here with a purpose in mind but you don't really know where to go to achieve it so mm. you haven't really realized this but you've been walking through this forest for days without really seeming to go very far or anywhere mm. in particular 
But as you start to wander around, you do eventually come across clearing with this large bunker covered in like some sort of flesh-like substance. Mm. And as you're approaching, do me a uh, do me a perception check. Perception six. Six. Yeah, just a six. <laughs> um, you look at this thing and. I don't know, it looks fucking freaky. Yeah, um, I'm wondering whether to go a little bit f- closer to this, because it's, um, it's obviously, I've, like I say, I've been walking in this forest for such a long time, but it's um, I've come across something different, so I don't know if it's worth investigating. Um, can I tell what it's made of, did you say? It looks flesh-like, and mm. parts of it look to be metal. It's the best you can kind of see. Right. Um, can I use an ability? Um, can I use my primeval awareness? Okay. Because um, I let you say I've got a certain goal, and I want to see if I can detect. Hmm. I guess because obviously I would be me ability. I would have to obviously detect. Detect human, I guess, because obviously I'm looking for something. So, okay, you're trying to you're trying to detect whether there's any humans within uh, six yeah. miles of you. Yeah, you focus for a moment and uh, mark down the spell slot as being used. Are you just using first level? Yeah, just the first level. Okay, um, you uh, you focus out and you let your sort of mind expand, and you kind of feel the the nature and the just the area around you, almost like a an additional sense that you have. Mm-hmm. And you sense something that might be human inside the uh, inside the bunker. Mm, right. Okay. Um, so obviously, knowing there's something in there, um, I might I might get a little bit closer and have a look around the outside and see if there's a way in. Uh, as you get closer, you see the front door does this um, this breathing motion and opens up, and there's just a just an entrance there in the flesh. Right. Um, can I um, can I stealth up to there and see if I can peer in? Sure. Do me a stealth check. So stealth checks of skills. Stealth. Um, with advantage, isn't it? Yes, because of your sneaky, sneaky boots. Yes, so 23. With a natural 20. You kind of hunker down into this strange multicolored grass that you never really pay too much attention to until you look up close to it and think, God, this place is just weird. And you kind (laughs) of start crawling through the grass and getting a little bit closer to the entrance, and you, you peek your head inside, and you start hearing at this distance sounds of battle. Right, um... Obviously, I'm going to be curious because it's. Um, I've been walking around for days and I've not seen anybody. Um, so can I make a? Um, can I make a perception check just to see if it's if I recognise anybody that's in there? Oh, you can do a perception. See if you recognise anything. Yeah, just be straight up. Yeah, straight up perception. An eight. An eight. It's really hard to tell. It's quite dark in here. I mean, there's little bits of ambient light from all the machinery, but um, best you can tell is there's something, some sort of fight going on just in the next room. Right. Um, well, obviously, they don't know I'm here yet, so I might sneak up to the next door. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll say your natural 20 kind of covers you to get through this room stealthily. Yeah, so yeah, I'll go up to the front, up to that door. Um, could I, I I'm going to say, uh, would I, if to try and sneak in that room, would I, well, to obviously prop the door open? Well, as you get close to the door, the door does that automatic opening thing again, where it kind of breathes open. And as it opens, you see the back of a horrifying alien fungoid creature that seems to be trying to tear the head off this um, fully armored guy who looks almost a little bit like a knight, and he's swinging this giant greatsword around. And behind him, you see just glowing green, this brain in a jar. Right, well... And uh, now that you're this close, I'm going to ask you to roll initiative. Hey, right, okie dokie. So course stats, so that would be initiative. Oh. Yeah, you just need to roll a d20 and add the number. Of course, yeah. You don't have a token. Of course, let me just move that out the road. Right, there we are. So, 12. 12, okay, so you're just after Rogar. Cool, so, back to the top of the round. It is the Migo's turn, and... It is going to try stab at Rogar. And it gets a 22. Oh, shit. I'll cast shield. Okay. You cast shield again, and once again, this kind of bluish flicker of an almost uh, imperceptible shield just appears in front of you, and its piercer, and its piercing pincer just kind of bounces off of it. And it's going to go for its next attack. Uh, I think, yeah, that misses. So, yeah, two attacks. Absolutely nothing there. That's uh, your turn, Rogar. I'll take a swing at it with Eclipse. Yeah, go for it. A 29 and 19. 29 and 19. Finally, uh, free of its grip, you kind of swing Eclipse around with just this nasty arc, putting all your strength into it. And you almost cut this thing's pincer arm off entirely, and you leave this horrible cut right down its chest. And it bleeds this kind of weird, sickly, greenish icor onto the ground that, as it hits the ground, almost seems to grow into its own little bit of fungus. It's just horrifying to look at. That's your first attack. We're going second attack. Yeah, and kind of, as I take a, a second swing, I'm just going to be like, guess you're not up for talking then. Take a second swing. Uh, a 30 with 17 plus 7, so uh, 24. <laughs> Natural 20. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that's going on today. Uh, with the natural 20 as it kind of rears back and you see when you address it all the little um, filaments that cover this uh, brain that's just on display start lighting up in different colors and it goes step away from our experiments and then as it says that you just cut it straight across the middle giving like almost a perfect x across its chest with this horrifying wound as it just sort of bleeds out all this weird fungal icor again is it still standing then? It's still standing, yeah. Jesus. Um, so, right, step away from my experiment. Like, yeah, I suppose as as it as like the the order moves on, I was just like, I was only talking to it. So, and that's your turn, Rogar. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, yeah, two two attacks. Yeah, Robert, you're up. Yep. Does it know I'm here? It uh, hasn't seemed to have spotted you yet, so you will be attacking with advantage on this first attack. Right, yeah. Well, in that case, then, um, seeing the absolute clusterfuck that's going on, I'm thinking, well, two of these guys could be useful. 
one of them obviously in for talking. So what I decide to do is I get my short sword and I stab it from behind. Okay, you're going to run into combat and just kind of stab it between the wings. Go yeah, for absolutely. It. So I'll attack with advantage. So that's nice. um, is it twenty-three? Yeah. And that's a hit. It's Sixteen and five piercing damage. Is it? Mm-hmm. So that's one attack. How many attacks? I can't. I can never, I can never remember how many attacks have I got. Uh, you've got a second attack with yeah, your sword. Yeah. So, but, so I'll attack again. But obviously, this one won't be with advantage, will it? So he knows now. Oh uh, well, actually, you're now flanking it because you ran in. Ah, okay. So it is with advantage. Yep. So advantage again. So uh, twenty-four piercing. Yeah, twenty and four. Cool. So you just try to stab it in between its back. You almost start trying to soar off this creature's weird fan-like wings. And it kind of shakes you off a little bit, but you do uh, a nasty amount of damage to it. It is still standing. Um, the brain cylinder, Matthias, is uh, kind of seeing how the tide's turning here and is quite happy. He's going to launch another set of magic missiles at it. So again, you watch these uh, three little darts of energy kind of appear in front of the cylinder and launch out at the creature. It does. Ooh. Does quite a lot of damage for magic missile. Nice. So <laughs> what we like to hear. I was just about to say. <laughs> 14 points of damage. Nice. Yeesh. It's almost max. Yeah, this creature is uh, hurt. And it is its turn. Hmm. It's not happy how that round just went. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Oh, you know what? It's it's gonna fucking run because <laughs> it's yeah, it's it knows when it can't win a fight. It's gonna fucking leg it. Um. So okay, he is going to attempt to move and dash. So you will both get opportunity attacks on him. So one attack each, please, if you're gonna do it. Yeah, go for it. Short sword, not with normal attack. Yeah, straight up, just normal attack. There you go then. 24, 6 oh. points of damage. Damn. Just ran straight into the sword. <laughs> oh, I get to reroll. So, uh, 26 and 13. 13. Wow, with 13, you just do it. As it starts to make its way through the door, Rogar, you just sort of leap on it and impale it straight through the back with Eclipse. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, um... Rogar, this is the first time you've killed anyone with Eclipse. It is. <laughs> you hear Eclipse's voice in your head. <sighs> yes, so long we've waited to feed. And you watch as the light, that kind of weird negative aura that Eclipse normally radiates, just almost doubles in size and intensity. And you can feel the sword is almost shaking in your hand as it's kind of pulsing with this power that it doesn't normally ha have, at least for the next minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to uh, turn uh, turn to Robert and say, mm, cheers for the help, and you are... So, um, Rogar, as you turn to face Robert, uh, Robert, describe what you look like for our audience. Yeah, well, he's... Um... About his mid thirties, he's got brown hair and eyes. He's got like shoulder length brown hair. It's tied up at the back, just wearing um, just your bog standard light leather armor. He's got a scar. He's got a trim beard, and he's got a scar that runs from the um, 
across his face, from across his left eye, across his nose to his right cheek. Um, and he's wearing some um, Elvenkind boots. Um, nice. But yeah, he's here. He's here on. He's here looking for somebody. Clearly not found him yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Say, can, can I can I say, looking at Robert, would I get any kind of, I don't know, sense of like a, like a religious a religious affiliation? Uh, I don't know, Robert. Do you have any kind of symbols on you that you would consider religious, or are you uh, kind of a general agnostic or atheist? Uh, Robert doesn't really have any. Well, he does have three gods. He does have three gods. Three. Three gods. <laughs> Robert has three gods. Do you wear their symbols on you? <laughs> <laughs> um, depends where he is. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's three gods are oh, gold, tits, and beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the most important okay. of those is gold. <laughs> right. So, so for looking at Robert, I wouldn't get a scent. I wouldn't see any religious symbols or anything on him, which is cool. Um, you would say he looks since you've not been here that long and this almost seems weird to say considering how short a time you've been here this is the most normal thing you've been <laughs> yeah <laughs> he just looks like a dude <laughs> like, yeah so uh, I, I, so as, as, I, as I'm speaking to him I'm going to cut the human arms off this weird creature okay and uh, well I'm going to attempt to and yeah, do me a do me a survival check to see how well you kind of scavenge him. A twenty, twenty. Okay, uh, sawing these arms off the weird kind of humanoid arms, you do a reasonably good job. They seem decently intact. Uh, and I'll put them in the bag of holding. Okay, write down two Migo arms. Roberts just look at him, sort of impressed of how good a job he's done, but he's like, "What the fuck is he doing?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and as and as well, have you actually introduced yourself as who you are? You've yeah, no, I, no. So... I just say, um, yeah, I've not just said, I'd turn to you and go, who the fuck are you? So, and I'll, uh, I'll say, <laughs> that is a very good question. I, <laughs> I am Clanless Rogar. I am the prophet, the emissary of the Whispering Man, and I am here to find. People with a very particular set of skills. Skills that you might have. Hmm. What are you here for? Something similar, just just not not for the same purpose. Um you say you've got your gods. I don't I don't have follow gods, like you know. I follow one thing, gold. That's my thing. I'm here looking for a bounty. I'm a bounty hunter. By the way, Robert's the name, Robert Mayweather. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. So, bounty hunter, hmm. And who might you be hunting? That would be, um, depends who you are. Um, I don't know if you know them, know the person, so obviously I'm not going to tell you their name unless, <laughs> obviously, I know you're not, you don't know them. How long have you been here? Seems like only a few hours, and the people that I know here are yourself and uh, the talking brain here. Matthias Aikens, how do you do? Strange new person. <laughs> <laughs> well done with all the killing. <laughs> it's what I do best. It's what I say. I wouldn't be a very good bounty hunter if I couldn't kill things. Quite, quite. 
But yeah, can I insight check Rogar uh, for if he's actually because obviously I wouldn't know he knows that. Can I insight check him? Yeah, you can insight check him. Yeah. So how would I do this? Skills. Uh, Rogar. I mean, you don't know the guy, so roll persuasion. <laughs> All right. <cool. laughs> so insight. So I'll do that one with just a normal. Yep. Twelve. Uh, Twelve. <laughs> um, yeah, you kind of meet each other eye to eye there. Uh, it's just, it seems relatively unlikely that he'd know the guy. Hmm. Okay. All right. You know, you've not. No, I, I can see that. You, you know, I look at him up and down, and I can see. You know, he's not anything looking like what I've seen anywhere in the where I am at the minute. So, right. I pull out a um, piece of um, worn, like, parchment sort of paper sort of thing and hold it up in front of him, and it's um, a wanted poster um, with a man called Martin Howard on the front, wanted dead or alive. Okay. But um, I purposefully put my finger over the, um, the, um, the, the reward. Interesting. Um... <laughs> Okay. Have you do you have you seen anyone that looks like this? That would be a no. <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> I'll say this, Paul, since it's uh, your character. So describe uh, describe what Martin looks like. Martin, um, I've not written it down. <laughs> it's it's going to be on the fly. It's um, <laughs> on the pitch. Obviously, I've never met them. Well, I have met the man I've chased him, but um, he got away from me. Um, for what I could tell, he he was he, you know on the on the picture he's got like blonde hair. He's um, quite stocky. He's um, yeah, he's quite a large man. But um, yeah, he just I don't know. <laughs> I'm struggling. <laughs> um, yeah, just a stocky um, blonde man with like a bit of a scar on one cheek. Um, clean shaven. So that's all, but that's all. I, that's all I get off the post. As I was chasing him, I didn't get a good look at his face. So, so other than the reward, why are you after this guy? I'm a bounty hunter. He's got a bounty. <laughs> yeah, but do you know the reason why there is a bounty on his head? Yeah, he was a, a few. You know, there was a murder recently um, from so, uh, the daughter of somebody in House Hague um, was murdered. And then I was just sat in the tavern one day and I was just, you know, sometimes, you know, bounty hunting, you know, sometimes you can get all the work in the world. It's, it's nonstop. You're just rolling in the dough, you know, and women and beer. But um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's rains and sometimes, you know, it's, it's like a desert and it all dries up and all your money runs out. Would I, would I recognize the house Hague? Uh, you would, yes. You recognize it's not one of the major houses. It does have a seat on the Council of Baradin. Uh, you know that the um, the guy who sits on the Council for House Hague is a man called Garrett. Oh, Hague, you say? Yes. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of them. Oh, uh, good. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, a long, long time ago. But, um, hmm. So I, I'm just, I'm just going to kind of like, uh, I mean... Seems like we both want separate things, but maybe are heading in a very similar direction. Um, how about you, Brain? You got a body or not? Well, I mean, this is my body. It's how I travel. 
I uh, just, I just eye it and go, what? <laughs> Rogar's used to weird things. <laughs> I, I've been here long enough. I, yeah, nothing's normal. <laughs> so, um, can I get you out of there? Oh no, no! If you if you try to remove me from the cylinder, I think I'd die without these uh, nice, sadly life-extending fluids. No, um, well, now that you've dispatched with my um, alien friend over there, you could attempt to connect me up to control this ship. Uh, I'll look at him up ship. Rogar's, yes. Rogar's eyes light up like, oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, it's, uh, uh, how do you think we all got here together? I mean, normally the Migo can just sort of fly through space by themselves with those weird little wings they have, but when they need to carry people like me and lots of equipment, they bring a ship. Um, can, can, I, can I... Since my helmet's closed, I know Robert hasn't kind of seen my ghoulish face, but mm-hmm. can, I, can I make myself look like old Rogar with the, the... like a dragonborn? Ah, you can try to. Do me uh, just a straight-up intellect check. This one will be a very high DC, because You've not been a ghoul that long, so your kind of mental landscape is still dragonborn. Oh, I only rolled a seven. Seven. Oh, man. I said that DC had as, as an eight. Um, <laughs> seven. You try, and it's there, and it's like within your grasp, but you feel your face and body kind of shift back. I'll keep the helmet on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as not to freak you out. <laughs> um, okay, so... Rogar, so the so the brains just told me that I'm in a ship. Now, Rogar doesn't know too much about space, in other than he sees the future in the stars. So, kind of want to get this up and running. Um, let's say, Robert, uh, you you're interested in finding this person. It seems as though we're on a ship, which I'm assuming will help us move through these lands rough quickly. And I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at the brain, like side eye him, is in like, yeah, it'll be faster than walking, I guess. Um, it will be though. This ship is really more for space travel. Um, I, I can try drop you off somewhere if that uh, would help you. But if I want to try escape this place, and you said something, did you want me to meet you? You were saying you're talking about a physical body. Yes, yeah, I, I am. I am quite interested in. Uh, Perhaps meeting up on the physical plane, if you were interested. It's seen as how mm. I just... I have saved you from your captors. And I, I, I just cough in the background. <laughs> <laughs> do me a persuasion. And I'd say do it with advantage, because you did just kill the Migo. And took its arms. Hmm? 19! 19. Uh, you hear the machinery kind of whir in the background again, and then this kind of greenish glow kind of waves out across the room and goes... Well, I um, was looking to get out of here. Um, what what would you have me doing if I was to meet you? Well, you know, I'm spreading the word. I'd like to, you know, uh, a being such as yourself must have a lot of knowledge and, you know, understand a lot of things, things that perhaps are beyond even myself. And I'd like to, you know, gain more knowledge mutually. When you say that, you kind of see little bubbles flickering up in the liquid, and you realize the speaker is kind of translating as best it can as, like, laughter. 
Oh, 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 I was I was an eminent researcher of forbidden law. That was my specialty. Oh, I there are things I've forgotten that you'll never know. <laughs> and you want me to help you with that sort of thing? Hmm. Well, I'll do you a deal. You keep me plugged in. Let me keep the ship. I'll try come find you. Hmm. Can I can I do like a, a an insight check to see if he's just you know just messing with me? Sure, do an insight. Oh, Jesus Christ. Nine. <laughs> I mean, it seems like he's being genuine. Hmm, interesting. Tell me if, um, I, I guess from what you're talking about and where we are, that uh, this isn't your physical body. Have you got some way for that I could find you? Well, that I do, but I'm rather limited in this resource. And, um... Yeah, I'm, uh, how can, how can I put it? <laughs> you're obviously, hmm, you're obviously not of this world and not of mine. So I'm just wondering how you might find me. Well, if you've got something, some sort of material like a track, that would be useful. Um, I don't know if you're particularly magically aligned. That uh, is always handy. Magic tends to travel between planes quite well. Otherwise, it might be a while for me to find you, if ever. Tell you what, um, you know, I've got the, um, you remember I took, well, I ended up getting Maximilian Landron's book, which had an extract from the manuscripts that I now have. Yeah. Can I show him that? Yes, just can to do. See, just to see what he thinks of it. Sure. So you kind of, you hold it up to the cylinder, I guess. Is yeah. That what you do? Um, yeah, yeah. Just, just say, just you know, I'll, I'll just, yeah, just to try and gauge, you know, whether he just finds it hilarious or. Um, you hold it up to the cylinder, and he kind of bobs there for a moment. And goes, you realize I have no eyes, right? <laughs> well, you and know, you see, um, you got no ears, neither. <laughs> next to the uh, speaker, uh, two metal plates kind of slide aside, and goes, put it in there. Guess and I'll get it back. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, go on and do. Be a bit damp. <laughs> I just turn around and put my hand on my forehead and go. I'm actually considering teaming up with these two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know, I am an expert in all these matters. And the plates kind of close behind it, and you hear some more whirring and stuff, and then. Uh, Eventually, it opens up, and you see the book there. You do see a little trace of what you think is some sort of slime just on the side. And he goes, oh, no. seems to be someone trying to uh, catalogue a bunch of rare tomes. Oh, heard of most of them. Hmm. Read most of them. Very interesting, because I, uh, I have to have one of them myself. Oh, really? Now, that is interesting. Which one did you get your hands on? Uh, can I insight check him again? Sure. What are you What are you trying to check on him? Um. Well, because I understand that it would that he, there's a possibility that he's read it, but I oh, I love the book, mm -hmm. and I don't want to let the book go. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of a bit protective of the book. It's like it's my book. Okay. <laughs> so you're inside checking him to see if he's trying to steal it from you. Yeah. Okay, go, go for it. 
or if you know, or if once he's had a look at it, once if I allow him to read it, once he's read it, he'll just be like, "I'm done with you," kind of thing. Okay. A nineteen. Ooh. That's better. Nineteen. Um, you see a bit of curiosity. You don't know whether he's read your particular book or not. He seems like he might be quite knowledgeable on this sort of thing. Like he didn't seem shocked at any of the names in the uh, those that dwell beyond book that you let him have a read of. Okay. You don't think you kind of wonder if it'd be quite difficult for him to steal anything given in his current predicament. Okay. Uh, I say, um, I'll tell you what. If you come and meet me, then I'll let you read the book. But hmm. I'm quite. Pre- I love book. <laughs> <laughs> I do love book. Book is good. Which book do you have? And I'll tell him. Uh, I'll tell him the book that I've got. The phonetic, yeah, phonetic manuscripts. That's how you say it. it? Hmm. Yes, that one. Interesting. I've read extracts from it before. Very, very interesting. Would be certainly good to get a, my uh, <laughs> hands, as they are, on the original, if that's what you've got a hold of. Oh, it is. And it has shown me the end of the world. <laughs> Still got your sanity there, boy? Um... Rogo would think he does, so... (laughs) 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 As he starts laughing to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Yes, um, they're quite tricky, these tomes, I find. Too many can't really uh, understand them properly, and those that do, well, they tend to suffer for it, but we all suffer for our knowledge, don't we? And he kind of bobs up and down in his cylinder jar. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us more than others. (laughs) That is very true. So, yeah, it's great. I'm going to pull out one of the vials that I've got that the Crimson Tongue gave me. I say, yeah, I'd have this. Get back to the physical plane. This is how you'll find me. Interesting. Put it in, and he kind of opens the metal uh, sliding plates again. Yeah, I'll put it in. And they close behind you and he goes, Oh, I see. Ah, some powerful enchantment on this. I didn't realize you had it in you. <laughs> yes, this will do. I should be able to find you, the real you. Then we have a deal. I'll come to you. I will educate you in what I know, and you'll show me what you know. <laughs> Sounds fair. Sounds fair. And who knows? Maybe you'll join me as well. No, perhaps it's more interesting than being locked on a shelf. And I can promise you that it will only get more interesting. <laughs> good, good. Robert's like looking at you and going, think, like, how soon are you thinking of leaving? I've got something to do here. <laughs> well... Personally, I don't want to be in this place a second longer, but if you've got somewhere to go, as I said, I can drop the pair of you off. Do you know where it is you need to go? I was hoping you could help me with that. Mm. <laughs> and I show him the poster. He, um... It's hard to say that he looks at you, given that he doesn't have eyes, but you feel like he's staring at you and goes, 
You don't really understand this place, do you? You've been lost here for a while, walking in circles, that sort of thing? Could say that. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a trap that people often fall into. You need to focus on where you're going, really understand it. And, well, if you're looking for the man that you have in that poster, and you notice he has been able to look at all of you, and you kind of look to the side, and there's like a glass orb that has a little red light in it. And you wonder if somehow that's how he's seeing things through this large machine. And he goes, yes, um, hmm. That's difficult, because you're trying to find someone that's moving around that you don't know very well. It's a difficult picture to focus on. Perhaps with the pair of you together, you might be able to clear that up a little bit more. Combine your willpower, that sort of thing. Hmm. I look at Rogar, and I think, he could be useful. I mean, there's, I've, I've been around here a, few, a little while, and um, there's, I've seen creatures that, you know, I've run away from, not charged into. So, could do with, I could do with a big bloke with a scythe. Hmm. Well, see, Rogar's thinking, can I convert you? <laughs> <laughs> um, is there gold? <laughs> oh, there will always be gold. <laughs> I shall think about it. But then, <laughs> can you pay me this and... I the total I was um, hiding show him, and the total like I said um, I'll go back to the story I was telling you. Obviously, you know, bounty hunting. It's um, it either rains or it's like a desert. This representative from House Hague for me was an oasis in the desert. Um, why do you think I ended up here? And I show him that I I put the I put the uh, poster on the table and like point at the. Um, the number on the um, gold pieces reward. I'll look up at Rogar and go, 18 fucking thousand gold pieces. No more bounties for me. You... <laughs> okay. So, um, so you're here for 18,000 gold pieces. Absolutely. I would not have to lift my finger again and I can have as many whores and beers <laughs> as I want. Oh, is that all? Excellent. Well, I tell you what, Robert, I'll help you find this guy. You get your 18,000 pieces of gold. You join me, bring your 18,000 pieces of gold, and I'll promise you more gold. But you got to stick with me. Hmm. Have a think about it. I shall. If, if, we, if we don't find him, then... No deal. But if we find him, and I help you kill him, then you help me. Mm. You see, I'm a man of honor, in a way. I won't, you know, someone helps me, I'll help them. You got yourself a deal. Now you hold my hand out to shake his hand. Uh, Rogar will shake Robert's hand also, um, but I'll, I'll keep my Gauntlet on. <laughs> just, just so I don't paralyze you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him, I'm having that 18,000. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with you two in a sort of tenuous agreement, uh, you watch as 
it's almost like a stairway falls down from the ceiling of the room that you're in. And uh, Matthias goes, right, go up to the top and try focus on where you want to go and I'll land nearby. It'll take both of you, though, and take a look out the window. Try to keep a picture clear in your head, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. I was going to say, um, would it be useful if I used the Seer's Amulet and scrying to uh, see if I could see the guy? Uh, you could scry on him, yeah. That would give you possibly more of an image in your head of where you need to go. Something a bit clearer. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I was thinking. Or, you know, um, I, know, I know it's not particularly great if, you're using the, uh, if you've only got a picture. Okay. Um, and plus, if I'm doing it, the guy doesn't know me, so I'm hoping that he won't, like, panic if he does notice. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to try and do that just to see if we can get, like, a, a, a bit of a better picture. Okay. Uh, scrying. So, you've heard of the target, so he gets a plus five to a save, and you have a picture of him, so minus two. So it's a plus three overall to a save. Okay. Wisdom saving throw. As you sit down to scry, I will see how this works. So what's your spell, DC? Uh, it's a DC of 14. 14. Okay, so you'll make a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> okay. Um, right. So you, Rogar, you kind of sit down and you take out the seer's amulet and you start to focus on it and you cast scrying. And it's the first time you've cast this. So what you find is your vision sort of expands and then almost like flies up into the air. And it's like you've got this rush of wind and air just like going straight past you as if you're trying to seek out something almost spiritually. But you can make out glimpses of places and areas and geographical locations as you fly past super quickly. Your, um, yeah, your vision's flying through and as you start to get close to something it just goes dark. And the spell failed. Alright, okay. But, so I don't, so I don't see, I, I don't see anything at all. I don't see a direction or anything. No. He okay. uh, passed his save, sadly. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. Any luck, Rogar? No, unfortunately, he uh, he uh, was not quite. He was not happy, shall we say? Ah, oh, shit! But don't worry, he has no idea where we are. We hope. <laughs> well, I'm pretty confident he doesn't. Um, so yeah, Robert doesn't know how these things work. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll just have to focus normally then. Try and think about where we want to go. Hmm. Is there any? I'll turn to um, robot thing, um, and I ask: um, Is there any settlements around in where we are? Any more that we that I don't know? We really don't want to go there, but okay. Um, there are plenty of places around. Depends how far you wish to travel. Hmm. Well, I've been around, and I know quite a bit around here is hostile. It's a case of finding how hostile things are, and maybe. Possibly finding some clues or some getting or finding someone that's not hostile and asking them for information. Um, you've been here the longest. Um, what would you suggest? Well, as I say, if you focus on where you think he might be and try to capture an image of him, 
it would at least lead you in the right direction. As I said, both of you mm. together would do better than one alone. Right. Alternatively, it is possible to seek out creatures here and question them. Some will be more willing to impart information than others. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to think on that on that screen like spell thing. Is there a way of teaming up on that or what on the screen spell? Yeah, I don't no, know. It's not it's not a spell I actually know. It's a spell that the emulate has. Right, okay. Um but Rogo would not Rogo would not want to go towards it would not want to go towards like a big city or anything or what is deemed as that in this place. Um just cuz he's basically been told to avoid them. Right. Um and would probably impart that knowledge upon you, but also in thinking that this person probably isn't going to want to go to these places, being that they are, as far as we can tell, not much more than a regular human. Mm. Right. So it would make sense that he's in a similar situation to us where he doesn't know, it, because he doesn't know what he's after, he's wandering around. So what we would do is, if we focus on him, then in f if my theory is correct, it a won't be too far, and b he won't be in a like in a, a major settlement. He will be somewhere wandering in a in the same woods or whatever it is that we mm. are. So he needs something that. nearby where he could survive, like water and things like that. So maybe we could look for stuff like. So if we if we just focus on the focus on the guy, mm. and we'll see where the ship ends up. But if we're coming up to like a big to a settlement or anything like that. Rogar's going to change his mind and think about mm. something else. There's the one thing, like I say, Robert did trace, obviously, you know, Robert had tracked him down and was, had him cornered and then obviously escaped into where we are now. Um, so he did have sort of that vision of like that last moment of him disappearing and that was the last time he saw him. So let's, let, let's do as the ship, do as Matthias? Matthias, yeah. Matthias, yeah. Matthias. yeah said focus on him and we'll end up touch wood not too far away from where we currently are yeah i'm down for that let's do it okay so you both go upstairs to like the um observation deck of the ship yeah and yep. you walk into a room that again is just filled with machinery that none of you understand there's like flashing lights and buttons that are glowing red and green and in front of all that you see the the fleshiness of the ship seems to retract, and then the metallic plates seem to retract, and it's almost like a giant glass dome at the top that lets you see out. And you hear the whole building start to shake, and if you would both do me a intelligence check to see how well you focus on finding uh, our wayward enemy. Intelligence, intelligence check. Oh, it's core stats, isn't it? So. Uh, 13 from Rogo. 14. Okay, 13 and 14. So, working together, you do start to feel like you get a bit of a clearer image of where this guy might be. And as the ship almost leaps out of the ground and begins to fly into the air, you start to travel along. And you travel for about two hours or so in one direction until you feel the ship suddenly stop and 
a massive shake goes through the entire structure as it lands, and the uh, the stairway opens back up again to lead you back down to the brain chamber. And you hear Matthias's voice as you start to walk back down. Go, okay. This seems to be where you were leading me. Hopefully, he's not too far from here. Can I like? Sorry, can I can, can I um, you know, see anything outside the ship before we head down or not? Uh, from the big window, it looks like some more woodland at the moment. Okay, that, that's cool. That's cool then. So, do we um, head downstairs and leave and see what's around us? Yeah, yeah, that sounds 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 about right. Just in the immediate surroundings, anyway. See if we can spot anything. Yeah, you can go first. It's cool. Yeah. So, um, obviously, just in case it's some, any, we've landed somewhere hostile, can I do a stealth check, out, stealth outside? Sure, you can stealth outside. Yeah. Uh, as Robert's stealthing outside, Matthias just goes to you, Rogo. Right, well, I uh, best be off. Try not to uh, lose yourself out here, and I suppose I'll see you as soon as I can. Yeah, l- looking forward to it, Matthias. I'll, uh, I'll see you in the physical world. Indeed, indeed you shall. And uh, you leave after uh, Robert, who is doing a stealth check. Is it with advantage with the boots, isn't it? Yep. Yep, so advantage, submit. 22. 22. Uh, you stealth your way outside the building, and Rogar kind of follows you eventually as you kind of scout out a little bit. And the woods don't look too dissimilar to where you were before. The trees are a little bit less leafy, a little bit more gnarled, and... Uh, almost winter-looking in some cases. Some, in fact, just look a bit dead. But uh, you're definitely in a different place. Mm. You don't see any immediate dangers. Brilliant. Well, can I cast... I know I've got two... I could say a level one... Um, what's it called now? Um, class, there we are. Primeval Awareness for a human. Okay. Um, you can... So that's my second level one spell slot used. Uh, actually, you can't do it for humans. Looking oh. at this. It's aberration, right. celestials, dragons, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right, okay. <laughs> it's all right, so I guess I'm not doing that then. <laughs> um, Unless you want to find one of those. <laughs> in that case, then, seems, um, could I? was there a possibility I could do a check to see if there's anything, like, if there's anything been... Like disturbed by, I don't know, like gathering materials or something like that. Maybe someone that's obviously... Sure. So, no, in a survival situation sort of thing. Yeah, it either do me an investigation or... A, I mean, you're kind of tracking, but you're also trying to find things. So I'd say whichever one is uh, best for you. Yeah, I'll do a survival check then. Just a normal one. Mm-hmm. Oh, a five. A five. Uh, there seems to be lots of like tracks but you have no idea what has made what whether it's creatures or whether it's not as um as rogo kind of joins you outside you do look back at this the ship that landed as it takes off and you realize it's almost like a giant bio technological but fleshy creature that flies up into the sky what the fuck <laughs> it is absolutely gargantuan as it kind of flies up into the air and just keeps going and going until it disappears. Uh, Rogar, we were just on that. How did we not notice it was that big? <laughs> hey. Well, Rogar only knows what he needs to know. 
<laughs> Fair point. So, uh, you said he's this way? And, like, well, goes into the woods? Yeah, well, I guess we go that way. <laughs> Everywhere looks like, you know, there's lots of tracks here and you know, this fucking place. Not Normally, I would have no problem tracking somebody, you know, but this fucking place. Um, hmm. <sighs> Uh, okay, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Well, since you, since you rolled a natural one, so um, <laughs> he guess, seems I, very confident about the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so so you are very confident of where we're going. So um, Rogar probably would have no reason to question you, um, unless I, I unless I can smell something or. What not, you know, with my with my ghoulish skills. Uh not out here where you are or anything. Not that you can see. Or spell. Okay. Um Okay. Um I'm just trying to think now. Uh, oh, um I'm just trying to think if someone had a fire or something like that, then you'd see the smoke from the ship, wouldn't you? I mean I, I mean do, do would you like me to check that that you that you're correct? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I'm assuming I'm allowed to do a survival check, Cookson, if Robert's asking me to. Mm, I'll allow it. Oh, let's see. I rolled an eight, so we still have no idea. You're confident that he knows the way to go. Okay, so um, we'll go that way then. We'll go in that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you start wondering. You're still trying to focus on um, where this guy might be, and you're both wandering through this dead forest and eventually it completely opens up and it's almost like you blinked and you're in a slightly different place and it's like an open air ruin like you can see ruined walls and stone but there's no ceilings you can see like half uh, collapsed archways and uh, parts of rooms that have just otherwise completely collapsed and you're stood you seem to have just walked right into the center of it. Oh, that's just come out of nowhere. Can I take a um, perception check? Yeah. Sure, do me a perception. As you're looking around, though, you suddenly realize it's getting dark. I'm assuming if anything's there, then... Yeah. Uh, Rogar with a nine, you, you start looking around. I mean, looks like old ruins. Kind of very in, very bad disrepair. Looks like no one's been here for... Hell centuries. Is there anywhere that's kind of like got a roof to it or anything? Uh, this one said like partial roofs. There's no like complete building though. Yeah, it might be a good idea to get some cover. Well, hmm, probably. So you're, gonna go, you're gonna go for some cover? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking we should probably a bit more be a bit more. You know, I don't say careful. Well, yeah, the word is mm. careful at night. It, you know. Yeah. Should we? Um... I can stealth over to where the, the um, cover is, and then obviously see ahead. Yeah, if you if you want to check it out. Yeah, that's what I mean. If I stealth, and obviously, hopefully, no one will see me. Okay, you can stealth as Rogar kind of stands out in the open. <laughs> Go on, then. Why not? Oh God. The twelve. Okay. It's not the best stealthing you've ever done. As you kind of make your way to this little uh, corner with a bit of a roof and. Uh, push your back up against it to kind of scout around. As you're doing that, though, Robert, 
You notice mist starts to form in the area. It's almost like it's just rolling in from out of the woods. Shit. Um... And you realize, in fact, now it is night. It is the dead of night. And the twin suns that are normally over this place are completely gone, just replaced by one large full moon that is shining down like a spotlight on this area. Oh, um... Dude, I'll have to shout over to Rogar. There's mist coming. Um, we want to. We want to get somewhere that's not in this vicinity. Yeah. Well, Robert, while you're kind of thinking about that and you're leaning in this little uh, little angle of a room, do do me a perception. Perception check. Yeah, perception. Just just straight up persuade, uh, perception. Yep. There we go. Nineteen. Nineteen. While you're pressed up against the wall and you're watching this mist start to roll in, you can hear something. It sounds like feet, almost like galloping or running, like a set of four feet that are just hitting the ground over and over and over again. Shit, there's something there. It seems, yeah, but it seems really faint that it's getting closer. And then you realize it's coming from behind you and you turn around and you're looking in the corner where one wall meets another wall. But you can't see anything. But with your 19, you kind of get a little bit closer, and this is, this is weird. You're, you swear you can hear it coming from the corner, despite it just being two bits of stone wall joined together. And as you start to stare closer and closer, you see a, a speck of something right in the middle of the angle, and it's getting bigger. And bigger. And bigger. Oh god, um... I've got to tell... Um... Rogar, there's something here. You need to hide. <laughs> Rogar, as he says that, you hear a howl from somewhere else in this ruins. Almost like a wolf's howl. But... Ooh. Aggressive and angry and... Slightly more demonic. Um... I'm going to take off my helmet. Okay. Um, and I don't know, can, I, can, I, can I take a perception check to see if, like, well, I think it's a ghoul, so would I be able to take a perception check to see if I recognize it as such? Uh, what, recognize the howl? Yeah. Yeah, sure, do a perception. I don't get advantage because it's sound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A 19. Oh. 19, you listen, and the howls start to come again. In fact, now you hear multiple howls, and those don't sound like ghouls. So that would be werewolves. Um, shit. Uh, I was just... I don't want to say run back into the forest, but it's probably the best idea, isn't it? Uh, um, Robert, are you still taking cover where you were? Um, oh, yeah, I've not moved. Okay, um... As you're watching this thing get closer and closer, you start to see a shape form. And it is this jagged, emaciated entity that looks like a towering dog skeleton glistening with this bluish sheen. You see muscle and skin flesh pulled taut against its body, and it has these spines running all the way up and across its back. Its mouth is like a circle of fangs with this long, dripping purple tongue like lolling between you, and it is running at you, 
It is staring at you with these red, glowing, hateful eyes. It is uh, coming to hunt you. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming if I run, I'm getting... Um, if you can cast Fireball, do it now. <laughs> uh, uh, let me just check my spell book. Fuck. <laughs> you uh, hear the howls getting closer. And while Robert, as you stood there, this towering dog-like skeleton seems to leap from the corner of the room and almost pounces on top of you as you stare into its hateful eyes and its maw just grinning at you, wanting to tear your flesh from bone. That's where we're going to end tonight's episode. (laughs) (laughs) And um, welcome, you two, to the first nightmare. Oh. We got our first boss already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hope you both enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. I, that, was, I, that was awesome. It was. I'm trying to decide: do I dimension door and nope the fuck out of there and leave you alone? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do a Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me. Yeah, don't do it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to really think <laughs> until next week because, yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, well, while you two ponder with uh, how to deal with the Hounds of Tyndallus, we'll uh, see you next week. So this was uh, Gunpowder Treason No Plots. If you uh, want to catch us on other podcast providers, you can because we're pretty much everywhere if you want to chat with us i am on twitter as at treason no my players are on there with uh, their player character names and gtmp at the end of it and we have a wordpress website and facebook group both under gunpowder treason no plot and i will uh, hand it over to my two guests to say goodbye as usual if you've enjoyed hearing my voice as much as i enjoy hearing my own voice you can find me on the Last Night of Podcasting and the Last Night of Wrestling Podcast. They're available on all good podcast providers, and you can find them on Twitter at Last Night Podcast and at LAOW Podcast. And maybe one day, I'll be in the Red Scar Cafe on Red Scar Business Estate in Preston, Lancashire, the UK. Europe for now. <laughs> and you can also find me on the Lost Art of Wrestling Podcasting Podcast at the... Um... Twitter handles and such as uh, as, uh, James has just provided. But you can also find me on the RAD Live podcast, which you have just resurrected from the dead. Um, You can find us at UK RAD podcast. We're on Facebook. And, you know, you can usually find us on where you can find good podcasts. So Stitcher, iTunes, you name it, we're there. So, yeah. Oh, you can also find uh, Steve. He's on at Steve. I had to change it because he got a Twitter banned. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the handle now, but for next week, I'll have it. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining us, everyone. And thanks to our special guest who will be here for a few episodes with us with his new character. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks for me. No worries. And uh, well, we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. See ya. See ya. Hey 
good. Do you like Dungeons and Dragons? Of course you do. Do you like people with New Zealand accents? Of course you do again. Wake up, bucko. It's the fate of Ison. We roll dice, laugh a lot, and tell a surprisingly compelling tale about a plucky group of weirdos. Hey, who are you calling a weirdo? Who gets swept up in a quest to quote-unquote save the world off Ison. There's action, excitement, and there's a lot of apples. Seriously, there's way too many apples. It's uh, it got way out of proportion. Weird as my mother's top lip. On the Necropodicon Network. See you there. That'll do. Thank you to Sirenscape for some of the music and sound effects that you heard within this podcast. They do amazing atmosphere and music, so make sure to check them out at www.sirenscape.com. Epic games need epic music.